Hello, this is Pastor Josh, and I'm down here at First Baptist Church uh, alone. Uh, here's what I've been thinking about this week. Now fold your hands together, point your fingers up. Now say it with me. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors. But where's all the people? Uh, so seriously, it's a little uh, a little strange to be standing here uh, recording this when there's nobody looking at me. But wherever you are listening, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, appropriately, my message today, I'm entitled, Remain at Home. Uh, this is not just a sick joke. Uh, remaining at home is actually the secret to a vibrant life with God, to thriving in our souls. Uh, John fifteen five says, as Jesus speaking, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And this New Testament concept of abiding uh, has the sense of, of maintaining this close relational dependence on Jesus, walking hand in hand, drawing and pushing into his presence rather than away from it. But, but the actual basic, very basic meaning of the Greek word is just to stay or remain or to dwell somewhere and so thus remain at home. So the secret to the, the well-being of our souls, to experiencing this uh, vibrancy in our, in our walk with God, uh, thriving in the spiritual life, is to remain at home. To walk hand in hand, to stay close with, with Jesus. Uh, of course, I'm not talking about actually staying in our houses. Eventually, we'll get to emerge and come out, but to dwell in the presence of of God. So how do we remain in this place uh, where we have inner peace and vitality and wholeness when our world is just crazy turned upside down right now? Um, if the secret to this vibrant Christian life is uh, remaining in God's presence, you know, how do we do that? And here's what I want to suggest. This is our big idea for today is this. Let God's love compel you to remain at home in his presence. Uh, let me say it again. Let God's love compel you to remain at home in his presence. There's a beautiful uh, verse in Romans 2 in the fourth um, verse. It says, it, it's God's kindness that's meant to lead you to repentance. It's the goodness and graciousness and love of God that draws us to cling to him. Well, I believe that in, uh, Hosea really draws this out in this rich metaphor. Uh, we're continuing our series in the book of Hosea. Today we're going to look at chapter 11. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Hosea 11. And in this passage, um, he invites you to let God's love compel you to remain at home in his presence. So uh, just to catch you up, um, or maybe you haven't been following along in this series, uh, by way of review, Hosea has this um, overarching kind of word picture or metaphor throughout the book where he compares uh, God's wayward children to um, an adulterous spouse. And so I think the main point of the whole book is that God takes it really personally when we walk away from him. Uh, but here in chapter 11, he introduces kind of a new metaphor, a new word picture, where he compares God's wayward uh, people to, um, to like a rebellious or wayward child. 
And I think most of us can relate in one way or another to, to the heartache that, um, that a wayward child causes parents. Maybe you've gone through this with, with your own children or maybe uh, close friends of yours. Maybe, uh, maybe you were the rebel child or maybe you are the rebel child or the, or the, uh, the product of a, a rebel child. Um, but in any case, I think most all of us can relate to the heartache of a child who just turns their back on their parents. Uh, perhaps it's, it's second only to the heartache of a rejection by a spouse is the rejection by our children, where in return for you know, love, care, sacrifice is, I don't care what you say, I want nothing to do with you. And so in this chapter, I think Hosea wants us to understand that wandering from God is not just about breaking God's laws, it's also about breaking God's heart. And in this chapter, we'll see he kind of recounts his, Israel's story um, in, in terms of, of a child from infancy to adulthood. And, and it really parallels uh, the tendencies that you and I have uh, in our relationship with God. Uh, whatever stage you are in your relationship with God, whether you're you know, a new believer or you've been walking with God a long time, uh, these same tendencies kind of creep into our lives. So here, here's what I want uh, you to really uh, get a hold of today. It's been really helpful for me. That is, uh, at whatever stage in your spiritual journey you are, there is always a tendency to wander, and there's always an invitation to draw near. So open your Bible to Hosea 11. We're going to... Just going to to trace uh, the, the childhood, the life of, uh, of a child of God here and, um, and learn from Hosea as we go along the lines. So first of all, our relationship with God begins just like an infant. Um, this is how the chapter starts. Verse 1 says, When Israel was a child, you know, a little baby, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. So Hosea reminds us that God loved and God called his people um, when they were like an infant, before, they, uh, before there was any possibility that they could do something to merit his favor, to, um, to get his uh, attention. And this is just how God initiates with us. God initiates in love when we are helpless. If you are a child of God, it's not because you were clever enough to find God. It's not because you were wholesome enough, uh, deserving in some way, impressed him. You were righteous enough. You were a good boy or a good girl. It's nothing to do with any of those things. Rather, God simply initiated. He loved first. He sought you out. He called you. So like a spiritual infant... Uh, you know, we start out spiritually helpless. <laughs> we couldn't feed ourselves. We're, we're spiritually soiling ourselves. But God loved you like a parent loves a newborn baby. Uh, my niece, just this past week, on April Fool's, uh, no kidding, she gave birth to her first uh, child, uh, little Layla Jade, a uh, beautiful little baby. Uh, here's what's interesting. Uh, our niece Ashton loved Layla Jade, before she was even born. 
She was already enamored with this little child before the child could have possibly done anything to to earn that favor. Same way with us. Well, uh, Ashton and her husband, Anthony, they they have some fun ahead, don't they? Those of us who uh, have been parents. Because the funny thing with babies is that uh, as soon as they are able to, you know, make some decisions, they they get defiant. This kind of is uh, is mind-blowing to us because they are so precious and we invest all this in them. And then they uh, one of the first words they learn is uh, no. And so we, we tell them something that seems totally reasonable to us, like, no, 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 don't eat that kitty litter. And that cute little bundle crawls over and uh, turns their head and looks with defiance like, uh, just watch me. And where does this come from? Well, this is just like um, our own tendency in our walk with God. So verse 1, Hosea says, you know, Israel was like this child that God loved and called him out of Egypt. And verse 2 says, and the more they were called, the more they went away. And this is us. We, We tend to kick against his calling. In, in the Christian life, it's not long before we start to push against God's voice. Um, maybe uh, you're, you're happy to be a follower of Jesus. You're you know, happy to, to claim the label of Christian. You like all the perks that go with it. But some of God's commands, some of the things he asks of you, um, you're resistant to. Maybe some of his instructions are countercultural. Maybe some of his instructions are, are difficult. And we just start to kick against and, and want to uh, ignore or resist or push back against the instructions of God. Well, as we've seen throughout the book of Hosea, God takes this very personally because uh, he loves us so much. And so what we need to do from the very get-go is whenever we feel that urge to kick against the commands of God is to let God's love compel you to remain at home in his presence. See, we are not actual little babies. We have, you know, developed brains, and we can, uh, we can think about how, okay, God loves us. That's why he is making um, the, these demands of us. Uh, when he says, don't eat the kitty litter, uh, we just have to, even if we don't understand, we just have to believe that what he says is a good idea. Okay, so we start off like infants. <clears throat> then number two, our relationship with God, it develops like a toddler. Uh, verse 3, Hosea 11, he says, Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms. And so it's this picture of you know a, a parent holding up the arms of a, of a little one as they're just learning to walk. God nurtured his people through the wilderness. Uh, he gave them instructions. He fed them. He protected them. He, he dwelt with them. And very much like the way God nourishes us with his own presence and care. God has remained by our sides, giving comfort, instruction, care, protection. Uh, I love Ephesians 1 verse 3 that says God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing We've just been given every spiritual thing we could possibly need. Uh, you know, a well-cared toddler has no concept of all that's been provided. You know, 
Where does this food come from? Uh, food, shelter, protection, love is just poured out, and they, they don't really have an idea of what they've received. And same with God's people in the end of uh, verse 3. It says, um, even though God did all this for them, they did not know or they did not acknowledge that it was I who healed them. The same as we do. We fail to acknowledge God's presence and care. Imagine a toddler taking the first uh, assisted steps. You know, dad's holding by the arms, uh, you know, keeping the balance and bearing most of the weight. And the toddler, you know, takes this step and is doing that little pump up and down excitement. So impressed with himself that he took this step when it was really a dad that was carrying the weight. And this kind of the, the image here. See, listen, there's always a tendency in us uh, for spiritual pride. So, you know, if maybe you don't struggle in the same way somebody else does, uh, or maybe you have more biblical knowledge or expertise that surpasses others, or whatever it might be, we, we make these little um, accomplishments, or, or we, take, we take steps in our, our walk with God, then all of a sudden we start to um, take ownership as if that came from us as if we're somehow uh, impressive and better than others. This is just so destructive. But the solution is not to look down on ourselves, like, oh, I'm so, I'm so horrible, but to look up and acknowledge that it's God who's doing the lifting. God is doing the caring. Um, we, we need to, at that stage when spiritual pride starts to creep in, we need to let God's love compel us to remain at home in his presence. Turn the attention back to, oh, this is all a, a blessing of God. Uh, this is just fruit of, of God working in my life. And keep putting it back in that context. See, the tendencies of spiritual babies and toddlers, uh, those tendencies are common to all of us. There's, there's always going to be you know, a little command of God that we, we sort of push against, or, and there's always going to be these tendencies of, of spiritual pride that creep up, um, and uh, we always just have to keep bringing it back to, uh, uh, to God's love to you know, re- recalibrate those tendencies. Um, but for some... They cross a line in their spiritual journey where their hearts are hardened against God. And here comes the rebellious uh, teenager. Our relationship with God, it can degenerate into a rebellious teenager kind of a situation. And Israel had crossed way over that line in hard-hearted rebellion toward God. And uh, here's how... Hosea describes um, God's people in verses 5 to 7. Listen to some of these phrases. uh, See if this sounds like uh, anybody you've known or you've been. It says, they've refused uh, to come home to me, return to me. They, in verse 6, they follow their own counsels. Verse 7, they're bent on turning away from me. Uh, It's a good description of of wayward teens and also uh, wayward children of God where we refuse to come home. <laughs> we just follow our own counsel. We think we know what's best, and we turn our backs on him. Just think of the heartache when, you know, a, a growing child uh, doesn't come home at night. 
acts like he or she knows everything and maybe physically turns their back on their parents. You know, when their parents are in the room, they kind of turn their shoulder away from their parents and won't even, uh, you know, give them, give them the time of day or, or look them in the face. Um, well, when we cross over uh, from childish foolishness to this hard-hearted defiance where we don't care what God wants and we don't want his presence, well, God does what is difficult for any parent to do. And this is what he does. He allows the consequences of rebellion to unfold. And this is uh, what God tells the people in Hosea uh, chapter 11, verse 5. He says that, you know, Assyria will be your king. Verse 6, the sword will rage against their cities. These are uh, descriptions of the coming uh, conquest, you know, captivity um, of, of the northern kingdom of Israel uh, by Assyria and the king of Assyria. Uh, after all these repeated warnings by the prophets and through scriptures and through circumstances, uh, God allowed Assyria to, to rise up and, and wipe out his people. Um, maybe you've been far from God, and, and it feels like you, your life has been kind of wiped out. It feels like it's falling apart. Well, resist the urge to be angry with God about that. Instead, uh, realize in your heart of hearts that God's love um, is calling you home. Let God's love compel you to remain or to return to his presence. When he allows the consequences of, of rebellion to unfold, he's acting like a loving parent. And sometimes wayward children, they, they come home and they, they reconcile, uh, maybe with a few bumps and, and scars. But sometimes the hard-hearted rebellion, it sets a, a lifelong path uh, to ruin. So number four is this uh, progresses. Um, our relationship with God, it can be like a young adult whose life has come to ruin. Hosea repeatedly describes how extensive the rebellion of God's people was and how extensive would be their their ruin. So we we can't escape the wreckage of our own, you know, our own choices, our own rebellion. When we harden our hearts against God and reject his presence, we, we invite personal ruin. Uh, for some people, it, it means their whole world kind of falls apart. Maybe it's loss of health, loss of finances, loss of family, relationships, loss of reputation. Uh, for others, they, they might be carrying on, uh, you know, looking like, you know, things are pretty much together. But in their soul, there's ruin. Their soul is wasting away. And at that moment, we need to understand something really important about God. And that's this. Uh, God is deeply moved with heart-wrenching compassion, and he's withholding what we really deserve, even then. Even in that dark, dark place, God is moved by his unfailing love. In, in verses 8 and 9, we have this really kind of surprising description of God's response to his people. Um, it, let me just read it and then say a few things about this. Uh, verse 8. He says, how can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? 
How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. Okay, so what, what's this saying? Ephraim and Israel, that's, that's ways to describe the, the northern kingdom. These were the recipients of Hosea's message. And in, in God's voice, he's saying, you know, how can I give you up? How can I hand you over? Well, what about Admah and Zeboim? Uh, these are kind of obscure places. Well, these were cities of the plains that were destroyed along with Sodom and Gomorrah. You can look that up in Deuteronomy uh, 29, 23, they're mentioned. And so these, these cities of the plains that were wiped out with Sodom and Gomorrah, they represent the people who God completely annihilated because of just the extent of their depravity. So here, I think, is what uh, God is saying. Here's the point. Uh, he said, yeah, God's people will experience ruin uh, by Assyria. You know, they'll come in and the, there will be um, this decimation by the king of Assyria. But, but two things really important to uh, understand here. Number one is that God's deeply moved with this heart-wrenching compassion. He says, my heart recoils within me and my compassion grows warm and tender. God is, is torn up inside about seeing this uh, take place. And, and secondly, God withholds what they really deserve. Um, they, they will not experience the same kind of ruin, you know, that's total annihilation with no chance to recover, um, as the cities of the plain did, because they are the, the children of God. He's not, he's not actually giving them all that they really deserve. I think it's interesting in this in this section here that we see God. I, I think He's both more human and less human than we uh, suspect. Uh, more human uh, in the fact that He's moved by our plight like a loving parent. See, He's He's not so detached. His His transcendence doesn't make Him uh, detached. Where um, He operates in a way that is is untouched by by humankind. Instead, this portrays God as, as looking at His people and being uh, and being grieved and and kind of rent inside, um, and filling up with compassion that grows warm and tender. But He's also He's more than human. Verse nine says, "I am God. I am not a man." <laughs> So you know, even loving human parents can can give up, or they can give in, and they can respond from a place of emotion, or they can grow detached from being repeatedly hurt. But God is not a man, and His love, His power, His wisdom, His holiness will never, ever falter. Even if we've hardened our hearts against God, and felt the resulting ruin in our souls, we need to be assured that God has not detached Himself from you. He's moved with compassion. We need to let God's love compel us to remain at home in his presence. So if you push back against God's instructions like, a, like an infant that just wants to eat that kitty litter, or you fail to recognize uh, your total dependence on God, like that toddler who's so proud they did it all themselves, or even if you just turned your back on God and reaped uh, a load of ruin in your life and in your heart, there is really, really good news. And here's the good news. 
our relationship with God can be restored. Uh, Look at these last two verses, 10 and 11. We'll save 12 for next time. Um, In these verses, Hosea speaks of this glorious hope for Israel's future. A hope hope that that is great for people like us. (laughs) Says this. One day, (laughs) they shall go after the Lord. And he will roar like a lion. And when he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They'll come trembling like birds from Egypt, like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. When I read this, I I picture uh, Aslan from C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, with the lion's great roar, you know, can wake the dead and send foes trembling and summons all true Narnians to his side, where God, like a lion, calls his people. So we can still, uh, as there's breath in us, we can repent and we can return. This is Jesus' message uh, with the last hour laborers, his message with the prodigal son, his, his words to the thief on the cross is we can yet return home. Why? It's because God invites us to come home. Verse 11 I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. So wherever you are in your spiritual journey, the invitation really is the same. It's to let God's love compel you to remain at home with him, to draw near to him, to stay close with him, take every opportunity to draw close to his presence. You know, that can mean anything from uh, just simply choosing to engage uh, your whole heart as you're having a quiet time with him or all the way up to a complete change of change of course in your life. Wherever you are, move closer to him. So the challenge uh, should be really easy to remember because it's what everybody is saying to everybody these days, uh, but now with new significance. And our challenge simply is this. Remain at 